This podcast is hosted by RPP. If you are easily spooked, creeped, or offended, this might not be the podcast for you. Listen to us because we're talking. Yeah, that's true. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't need to be. Shall we get it started? Yeah, let's do it. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back to I Think My Fridge is Haunted. I'm Gemma. And I'm Lana. How's your week been? Oh my God. Um, A little hectic. It's been so hectic. It's been so <laughs> hectic. Um, yeah, getting settled in Melbourne, loving it. I yeah. feel like I've had brunch now, so I feel like I'm like a true Melbourneite. Awesome. Hello. Um, but yeah, good, good. Yeah, good. How was your week? Uh, yeah, hectic as well. Mm. Yeah, so full disclosure for everybody, we are uh, recording this the, the week after we launched the first episode and mm. we just put... We put a lot of energy into launching the first episode, didn't we? We had yes. the photo shoot and we were, you were putting together all these amazing things for social media and people were sending us messages and saying good luck and we were just like, ah, it's a lot to do at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was it was a big week. It, it has been a big week. And I um, mentioned in the uh, Mushroom Murder update um, just how much is involved with doing a story for podcasting. Mm. I was like, I jumped on board and I said yeah this is gonna be great and I have all these great ideas and then I started and look school wasn't my strong suit loved English but writing essays again was not my strong suit and getting into this I was like days deep I was like surely it'd only take another couple of hours nope. no nope there is so much involved and you want to get it right I guess a good podcaster makes it look easy yes um, yeah, but sh- shouldn't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes I'm listening to true crime podcasts and I get the feeling like they're like, yeah, I wrote this last night. And I'm like, how? What? <laughs> what? Just just like after dinner, you just sat down and wrote a whole story. How? Must be nice. Takes me ages. Yeah, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was it. I think I just had this recollection, uh, more view of just like, oh, yeah, there's a lot involved. Of course, of course. And got the format and everything. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah that'll be easy. And then... Cross-referencing, double-checking. Um, the information's not consistent often. No, <laughs> no, and especially like, if it's a, a crime story. Yeah. Uh, uh, and 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 my favorite is when you you read the articles that are just word for word copied from another article. Yeah. The the fear of not copying. It's like I, I was the plagiarism. plagiarism. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, there is only so many words that I can use in you know, different uh, directions and, and orders, but I don't want to copy someone else. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, I had that true fear. But by the end, I had mixed and matched and put things in different areas and I knew the story so well that I was like, oh, I can just write that out and that's fine. Yep. So, yeah, this is my first kind of episode of my own big story. So there's a little bit of nerves, but mostly excitement. I'm so excited that you're going to be telling me a story. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And something that's like a little dear to my heart, which is really cool. So shall we start with our facts for the week? Yeah, let's do it. Yay. Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. <laughs> um, would you? I'll begin. 
Sure. And then you go. And yeah, then sure, sure, sure. Back. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> this is kind of, I, I went with your theme of like relating to your story. Yeah. It was just by chance. Um, uh, did you know that possession of 50 kilos or more potatoes is prohibited? What, anywhere? In Western Australia. 50 it's not that much. much, which isn't that much at all. Um, so, but what if you wanted to like fill a paddling pool with mashed potatoes and jump in it for like a sex thing? I wasn't expecting a sex thing, but like double down on the illegal, I guess. Can you just mashed come potato. at? Yeah, it would be like <laughs> I'm kind of suing you for kink shaming me. Yeah, I think it's one of those laws that. The, the like government's just like we'll get to that <laughs> we'll make an amendment for that we'll get there it's one of those ones that was like according to you know the law from 1803 yes <laughs> all of our laws are so old that it's just they get swept under the rug they get forgotten it's and like in Oregon you, you're not allowed to shoot a Bigfoot oh I mean that's it's a law that's a good law though yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> to be fair, it's a good law. Yeah, they need that. Um, just like... Just protect our Bigfoot. Protect him. So under Section 22 of the Marketing of Potatoes Act of 1946, a real thing... Uh, anyone who was found selling, delivering, or purchasing 50 kilos or more potatoes could face a penalty of up to $2,000 for first-time offenders and $5,000 for subsequent offenders in Western Australia. That's why they got passwords, you know? They're like secret passwords. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Potato yeah, peddlers. The, you, the, the goose is flying over the rainbow. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Deliveries here. Go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> I just <laughs> so interesting i was like what <laughs> That's potatoes dumb. all right all we right. could do just a whole episode on stupid old laws <gasps> i would love that <laughs> <laughs> personally personally mine is completely different good so our there's there's this massive volcano on mars and yes. it's the largest volcano in our solar system and it's called um it's called the olympus mons and it's got so many layers of lava um, because it's erupted so many times, like from ancient times. It's actually three times the height of Mount Everest. Whoa. Wow. Mm. So is this because, uh, unrelated maybe, they, they landed on the other side of the moon? India recently was the first people to – did they find it there or is this something it's they Mars. knew? Oh, we haven't been to Mars yet. That's um, to my knowledge. <laughs> to my, that's mm. embarrassing. Then sorry to scrub that from the record. That's going to be, that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, wow. Speaking of plagiarizing, I'm going to read you an article. <laughs> please, please. From Insider, did you? I don't know if you saw this TikTok. It's so funny. <laughs> Video footage of a police visit captured on an Ohioan woman's ring camera. I guess that's like a, you know, one of those door camera, doorbell yes. things. Touch your phone. Has gone viral after a concerned citizen spotted sh- strands of hair hanging out of her car trunk. It turned out to be a wig. Have you seen this? It yes, does look really <laughs> dodgy. The video from June 16 has accrued 
71 view, 71,000 views on the woman's own TikTok account, but because it was shared, it's had more than 10 million views. Oh, my God. So Toria Townsend, a 30-year-old college student who works with adults with de- developmental disabilities, told Insider she was en route to a hair appointment to get knotless braids earlier this month on an extremely hectic day. I was late to my hair appointment, she said. I just threw my wig off and threw it in my trunk, not even paying attention or realising where the wig landed. On the 45-minute drive home, she was similarly clueless, she recalled, even after a quick stop at Dairy Queen where she noticed a few odd glances from passers-by. She said, I wondered why people were mugging me at the light. I guess that means looking at me at the light. Give me a mug. And I'm thinking to myself, somebody's... Somebody must have woken up on the wrong side of the bed. Why is everyone staring at me? Less than 10 minutes after arriving home, there was a ring at the doorbell and Townsend was greeted by officers and a barking dog, which which made her extremely nervous. As captured in the ring footage, one officer, who Townsend described as really nice, alerted her of the hair in her trunk, whereupon she exclaimed, Oh my Jesus, that's my wave. (laughs) <laughs> the officers <laughs> laughed as Townsend rushed inside to fetch her keys. <laughs> oh my god! She great. later learned that a, a concerned driver had called in her license plate number. She shared the call on TikTok, but declined to disclose how it was obtained. She's simply re- relieved to know that people are out looking for looking for our public safety. Aww. I just thought that was really funny, but yeah. <laughs> As, as fellow wig wearers can relate. <laughs> it did look really dodgy. I, I think I've seen the, the footage and the office is kind of like going around it going like, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but her reaction when she goes, that's my wave. That was, it was so funny. Oh my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> Poor lady. Oh, she's, she's got to get somewhere. She's busy. She's busy. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> ah. Okay. All right. My story this week is very cool and it's very dear to my heart because I, myself, and uh, I'm an army brat. Oh, are you? Well, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Your, your dad uh, is a military guy, right? Yeah, he's a military guy he's, his whole life um, and I have been a military brat my whole life. Uh, I've been around. We've moved around so many times. I've been to army bases. It, it's like it's just part of life. Right. It's a very interesting way to live. Um And I've always kind of been interested uh, in a little bit of the history, but um, like I have a hard line with war movies. Mm -hmm. I will not watch a war movie until my dad's retired. Oh. I just can't do it. Right. Just can't do it. Um, My dad served in Afghanistan. Oh, wow. A few years ago. Mm. Um, One of the most difficult times in like my family's life. Mm. I don't want to get too, you know, sad about it. But it was, um, you know, we were Skyping him in his... uh, (laughs) I'll lovingly say cell. Uh, it was a shipping container he lived in. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would have been hot. Hot. And it was, um, yeah, it was intense. It was really, really intense and it was just... I'm going to guess it wasn't like a cool Melbourne shipping container. No. Like, you know, like, <laughs> just what they're like... Chic. Yeah, <laughs> chic. Um, and like even when he came back, he had like a slideshow. Like when you do on holiday. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> this, this is just his life. This is his career. This is what he's always done. So he's like, and then this is when we were training and these are the caps that you put on the guns so they don't shoot each other. Like very like scary kind of stuff Mm. um but i find the history of uh like australian uh 
Imperial forces, like really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, outside of the world wars, of course, again, like I don't read much about them, but I did find this story, which is um, linked to some Australian law. So when I say prohibition to you, what do you think of? Uh, Not being able to drink alcohol, especially gin. Especially gin. Um, You think of like the 1920s. Right. You think of like the Great Gatsby. Yes. Um, What if I think easy? Yeah. Finger waves. Absolutely. The shimmy dresses, all that kind of stuff. Fast talking about dames. (laughs) Talking about my girl Friday, Mm. (laughs) all that kind of stuff. Uh, What if I told you that prohibition in Australia was caused by a soldier's riot in 1916? Was it? Okay, so we had a different prohibition? We had a different prohibition. It was caused, well, it was brought in by uh, something I'll talk about later, which was the temperance movement. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, remember me and Esther talked about this? Um, Lips that have not, have touched alcohol will not touch ours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're so like patriotic. They're just like for ages, for, for years and years, decades, they were trying to get... Things like alcohol and drugs, um, not I don't know about, about abolished, but like acts brought in. They wanted it, you know, taken care of. Right. Yeah. So this is the story of the Soldiers' Riot of 1916. Wow. Is this an Australian story? This is an Australian story. Wow, I love this. Yeah. It's a, I just, I, I was researching something else and I found this and I was like, wait, what? We did what? Um, Sorry, my sources are Dictionary of Sydney, Liverpool City Library, New South Wales Anzac Centenary, Griffith Review, and the State Library, Victoria. Cool. Yes. So We're a friend of the podcast, Camille Works. She's a librarian there. Oh, beautiful. Fun fact, the uh, other librarians at the State Library are Fridgies. Oh, my God. Hello. It's true. It's true. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Please don't correct me. No. Um, <laughs> they're listening. <laughs> they're like, mm, is it? Well, actually, if I do get anything wrong, I would love to know because, it, again, as I was saying, it's all over the place with sources. She's got a master's in history, so she'll tell you. Oh. <laughs> okay. She's just uh, my dream job. Oh, my God. No, this is my dream job. Um, so... On the 14th of February, 1916. Valentine's Day. A Valentine's Day riot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And hot. (laughs) The boys were like, we can't take this. Um, uh, 1916, the Australian Imperial Forces recruits began a strike in Liverpool that spread into Sydney. A short-lived but destructive riot caused widespread damage and the death of one recruit. And provided the fuel for the Licensing Act to restrict the sales of alcohol. Prohibition. Uh, So in 1903, a training-based camp was established in Kasula, a southwestern residential homestead of early settlers. It was located in the Liverpool area by the Commonwealth Government to cater to the influx of eager volunteers for the Great War. Were they eager? Or is that just the government saying that? From what I could see, these boys were like hankering for this war. Really? This is the first world war as well. Well, true. They didn't know what was coming. Oh, have you seen All Quiet on the Western Front? No. Oh, my God. It's so tragic. Yeah, I've got a lot to catch up But then again, you probably (laughs) haven't seen it because you said you don't watch war movies. Yeah, that's it. Like, I just, I've tried to watch a few. Like, Dad watches them all the time. Really? Loves them. Because it's, again, it's his life. He can relate to it. But I just, as soon as they start, I'm like, nope. 
too close to home. Yeah. Nope. Um, it shows all these like young boys in, I think, Germany, and they're all just like, yeah, we're going to join the army. Yay. Woo. And yeah. they're all like joking and stuff. And then they like literally just get put right on the front line and they're like, ah. Uh. <laughs> this is not the adventure I thought it would be. Because that's yeah. what it was advertised as, a great adventure. Yeah. It, 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 to me, it's just really sad. Uh, but uh, these boys are hankering for this war. Right. So uh, it was expanded in 1914 and led to an even bigger increase in recruits. Prime Minister William Morris Hughes' call to arms soon became overcrowded with trainees and soldiers. Wow. Yeah. The conditions were uncomfortable. The recruits wanted more flexible leave agreements and a canteen serving alcohol. <laughs> Priorities. I guess it's not a big ask. You no. know, matter of fact, I got it now. <laughs> yeah. Where's our canteen for alcohol? Like, Where's our VB? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're working hard. They're training for this huge war. I want a drink after work. Yeah. Understandable. Uh, they resented what they had perceived to be better conditions than their overseas enemies. So they thought that this, this camp was meant to be way better and they were going to get treated really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, some even comparing to the German concentration camp in Holsworthy, an internment camp established during the World War I, which housed between 4,000 and 7,000 prisoners of war. So they were sitting there in this camp going, this is no better than the guys we're about to fight. Before World War I, when was the last big war before that? That is a great question. Like, what did they have to compare their impending experience to? Mm. I'll have to look that up. I want to say 1880s. Um, yeah. Something to do with Prussia. Yes. Yes. Crimean? Oh, yes. Maybe. So I'm just wondering if, you know, they were told, be a war hero. You know, you'll be lauded by your people and you'll be treated like royalty and all this stuff. And maybe they did go in there thinking it's going to be, we're going to have great facilities because this is Australia. Yeah, this is the the new country. This is the promised land. Yeah, we're going to have more money. We're going to be treated like heroes. Like, uh, and of course there's no... (laughs) They're not seeing any videos on TikTok. No. Seeing what, what the real deal is. No, they're just getting like, I propaganda. imagine. Propaganda, especially from Britain, um, America. Uh, I, I assume England would be the biggest one. I would have thought propaganda. America would be the biggest one, but it, who knows? We went there. Who knows? We'll, we'll see what the, the previous war. But again, the World War One was so different. This was the whole world being involved. Yeah. The, obviously. And, uh, I, I, you know, using completely different war technologies. Absolutely. To, you know, years prior. Yeah. And if the only information you're getting is either from your superiors or the news, which was sparse, to say the least. Of course. Sparse and skewed, I would presume. Yeah. They, Sanitized. Yes, definitely. To ensure everyone's patronage. Yeah. That's what they wanted. Yeah. Well, we find that out. So what happened? So at morning parade on Monday, the 14th of February, 1916, recruits were told their weekly training would be increased from 36 to 40.5 hours per week. Okay. Uh, Some would consider this the last straw. 
the trainees decided to strike, not really considering the implications of army recruits going against their authority during this time. So the World War was beginning. This was starting already. Oh, it was well underway by 1916. Yeah, and well underway. And they decided to strike against their own uh, authority. Right. Um, So word quickly spread and by late morning, something close to 3,000 men marched into Liverpool where they persuaded recruits from the main camp to join them, swarming local pubs and hotels demanding free drinks, raiding local businesses and ransacking the town. The police were powerless to stop the masses of angry and tipsy men. Straya. Australia is this not like uh, when I was researching this I was like this has got to be like the most Australian I just feel like it may happen today (laughs) I I don't yeah I hope not I hope not the um the effects afterwards uh, are quite extreme so I hope not okay go ahead so uh, Mrs. Elise Collymore was interviewed in 1986 about what she remembered of the World War I, mm. remembering she was seven or eight years old when the riots happened. She remembered the trains would blow cock-a-doodle-doo when the troops were leaving on the train, so everyone would run down to watch them. Uh, but this time, soldiers were hanging off the trains and in the engine compartments. Mm. So this is, um, she described it as a a great old (laughs) to-do, which I found great. Oh, a great old to-do. I actually listened to her interview and it's so sweet. (laughs) She's just like, this happened and that happened. And I'm like. I feel like these guys at their funerals, people would, they're the kind of guys that people would um, affectionately label as larrikins. Yes. Yes, he was a larrikin, he was a which larrikin. usually means troublemaker. Yeah, yeah. And it, that was just what they did. Uh, so to quote Elise, uh, so we didn't know what was happening. It was a riot. The soldiers from two camps had met and took over, took control of the place, meaning the train so station. So two camps actually worked in tandem yeah so i think there was uh Kasula, which was um i hope i'm saying that right just outside liverpool and as they went through liverpool they persuaded more to come with them and they all went to the train station right okay yep uh shops were all closed and there was military police everywhere and anyone that had robbed them the soldiers or cheated them they got even they broke the windows of the shops and filled all their kit bags with pickles and whatever was in the windows. So proper riot. Yeah, they were looting. They they drunk and looting. Um, then when we got down the street, all the shops were closed and the military police were walking up and down and they only allowed five people at a, at a time in the shops. Right. If you would dare to go yeah so this is like after they were all gone they were going to the shops like normal and they were still like no only a few people at a time Mm. really locking it down uh from about 10 a.m the mob invaded the liverpool railway station and took over the trains to sydney an hour later the first train reached central station spilling out several hundreds of half-cut soldiers who formed together as if on parade grounds oh my god Yup. Can you imagine, like, you just go on for your morning train and there's just a mass of drunk soldiers coming through. Are there <laughs> photos of this? Yeah, there, there's one from when they uh, actually get into the streets. Um, 
and that's it there. Oh, they've got placards. Yeah, so they must have just found things on the train and they're like, we're going to make a sign. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I can't quite read it, what it says. Oh, down the bottom? Yeah. Oh, no, no, the the placard. Oh, yes. Uh, It looks like we won't or something. uh, We won't or want. We won't drill. Oh, we won't drill 50 hours. So... 50 or 40. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they're having a strike to say we're not going to do those hours unless you give us what what we want. Right. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Like So they got on a train from Liverpool to Sydney. I wonder how long that takes. And they and they've and they've got bottles of alcohol that they've looted. They've looted. So they've had a couple of hours to get wasted. Well, yeah, it says the train's an hour to Sydney. Right. So they've looted, they've filled up their kit packs, they're on the trains, they're getting drunk. And and amass into Central Station in Sydney. Okay. Um, They marched up George Street behind a Union Jack and handwritten sides protesting the increased training hours and making their demands. So I think those signs, like those little painted signs, we'll put it up on the um, social media so you can see it. But it's just little cardboard signs. They're like, we won't do it. I can't see this going down well with the Australian public. It What's would the be, plan? It, yeah, but it, it would almost be kind of like, um, you know, what what were those people that uh, conscientious objectors? Oh, yes. It would be almost like you'd be put on the same level as that. It would be kind of like, man up, you bastards. Yeah, I think it was a lot of like, what are you complaining about? Ma ma ma. Like, yeah. But if you know, three thousand plus men are angry and want something. Mm. True. Yeah, I don't think there really is a plan here. <laughs> like, I don't think they're, they're just like, no, nah, we'll, we'll just do this. We'll, we'll do that. And we'll think about it when <laughs> yeah. the beer wears off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm drunk now. Let's go. Um, so structure eventually broke down and the drunken soldiers raided fruit stalls, commandeering passing vehicles uh, with ranks of men thinning as they pass along the pubs. God, are you serious? Mm-hmm. They literally forgot why they were there. Yeah, they were like, oh, pub, They great. forgot the riot and yeah, went yeah. to the pub. Went to the pub and when it was drunk, dry, they joined back in like drunk as 10 men. Oh, my God. So as more trains from Liverpool arrived with even more drunken troops than the next, trains were eventually suspended, but not before the area of Central Station uh, in the Circular Quay uh, had been taken over by rioters. You know what? I, I just got two words just came to mind. Mm. Straight pride. <laughs> it's almost like if there was a straight pride. Uh. <laughs> you like that one, did you, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> if there was like a straight... It, it just reminds me of being a pride parade. Yep. And we're just like, oh, it's really hot. Let's just go in here and just have a little drink and then we'll come back out have later. A little tipple. Have yeah, a little yeah, tipple. yeah. Yeah, and then you just kind of have a little drink then you go back out to the parade yep. and all that. But if it was a straight parade... It'd be more like this, like completely no organisation and everyone's wasted in a bad way and stealing apples. It's stealing apples and cars, which Um, are probably going like, I don't know. I know, you you can walk faster than them. Imagine if some soldier comes and he's like, excuse me, love, this is mine now. You go, all right. (laughs) Okay, sir. And then he like crashes it into like a post box, like really slowly and he just gets out and he's like, oh, well. (laughs) Like it was just... It it started off it goes silly. backwards, like reverse. 
bye. It just this this is silly. By yeah. this, like this is before men knew that they were going to like basically to be cannon fodder. Right. They were going to die. Like yeah. that's what they were still like. This is this is no better than you know those guys. Like I. Uh, there are racial tensions that come in as well. So there's, yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, hotels, pubs, and shops tried to close their doors, but only resulted in their windows being smashed and smashed and invaded anyway. Groups of uh, mobs split up. They notably invaded the Tooth Tooth's Brewery on Broadway, which is one kilometre from Central Station. The Queen Victoria markets were ransacked with rioters attacking Greek and Italian shops. Oh, uh, so the German called for. It really was, wasn't it? Like, go get your booze, but don't attack people. No, don't, you know, family businesses and... That they're the ones that would have suffered the worst, mm. as usual. So the German club on Philip Street uh, and Kleisendorf tobacco shop on the corner of Hunter and Castle Ray Street invaded, uh, two kilometres north from Central Station. Even the Regent Street Police Station was attacked in an attempt to rescue recruits who had been arrested. <sighs> I bet that went really well. Yeah, that went great for them. From what I can see, and I looked at a map of all these different areas, um, they covered up to almost four kilometres of Sydney Central. Wow, those drunks get around. Right? Yeah. When I first was, um, like, intrigued by this, they set up to, like, 5,000 angry soldiers. So I think they reached about 5,000. Imagine 5,000 drunk men. Were they angry first? Or did they get drunk and then they got angry? Well, who's to say? <laughs> I, I think they were angry. And, and then they just got drunk and, and then it just got worse. It just got worse. And maybe, you know, in their drunkenness, they were like, I just really want to drink. Like, that's all they wanted. That it's was February. the goal. Probably hot too. Yeah, exactly. Sydney. Mm. So it led to the Battle of Central Station. A crowd of sightseers eventually formed to watch the failed efforts of the police to control the rioters. Eventually, soldiers were brought from the Sydney showgrounds camp to herd the rioters back to, to Central Station. This force, plus the debilitating drunkenness, enabled authorities to return the crowds to the station for the return trip to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But a still angry mob threw missiles at the police and military picketers. And in the chaos, shots rang out. Mm. Ernest William Keefe, a 20-year-old trainee in the 6th Australian Light Horse Depot, which was, for international listeners, is the Mounted Infantry Troops uh, of the Anzacs, was shot through the right cheek and killed by Metropolitan Police at 10.45pm. Oh, wow as well as seven in the crowd, including a civilian, were injured. This had a sobering effect on the mob, resulting in most of the drunken force returning to camp to sleep off the excess alcohol, while others responsibly turning themselves into the police. Yeah. Good on them. Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't have to go that far, though. No, and I think that's when that happened, they went, all right, this wasn't what we wanted. Right. Yeah, maybe we could have written a strongly worded letter. Yeah, maybe we could have had a nice, you know, formal... Tate-a-tate. <laughs> yeah, like a bit of a, a, a meeting with the authorities rather than destroying half of Sydney. Like, yeah. 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 By the end of the riot and in the weeks to follow, 279 trainees were discharged by court-martial. 
Civil courts convicted 37 on charges that include malicious damage, riotous behaviour, assaulting police and indecent language. Indecent language. Big at the time. Right, right, yeah. Massive at the time. There's uh, another act, the Vagrancy Act, which cracked down on indecent language. You could get, you could be liable. Well, we put them all these days. I know, right? (laughs) Middle of Australia. (laughs) Uh, Newspapers of the day reported 116 men in total were being held in custody awaiting criminal charges in the state and military court. The majority were sentenced to one or or more months of hard labour, while the ringleaders were sentenced up to five years imprisonment. Wow. And I, I did find all the names of all the ringleaders, but it, it was so complicated and all their reasoning and all that kind of stuff. But they all mostly got one to five years. Right. Yeah. So they, um, yeah, they weren't playing. No, no. And I think the ringleaders were the ones that just razzed everyone. And these recruits were so young. Like, I, I don't think there was really an age limit for to be able to sign up other than like maybe your teens really yeah so there's teenagers involved with this and they were just watching all these guys get rowdy and they were like yeah sure (laughs) yeah we'll be involved and you know just for something to do yeah something to do they probably just got swept up in all of this and went oh yeah i agree and if they disagreed imagine like being picked on and being the loser. Yeah, and you're like 16. Yeah. You want to be involved. You're about to go to war with these men. You want you want good stories to take with you. Yeah. Um, a, a fun one was Thomas Winter was charged with uh, damaging a fence at the commercial hotel in Liverpool and was fined 40 shillings and ordered to pay one, pi- one pound in damages. It must have been a special fence. <laughs> just because uh, he damaged a fence. <laughs> Uh, Another among them was Private William Roy Heaton. He was charged with maliciously injuring a plate glass window at the Grace Brothers department store (laughs) worth £10. (laughs) Maliciously injuring a plate glass window. It's injured. It's it's injured. Wow. How do you... Anyway, um, (laughs) his trial was held on... He had a trial? He had a trial. (laughs) He was... Yeah, for this... 16 years old as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, when he, when he, when he read his witness testimony, could they see right through him? Yeah. Oh. Uh. 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 He was like... <laughs> 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 I come back from that. <laughs> Straight away. Um, uh, his trial was held on the 2nd of March, 1916. Heaton was found guilty and sentenced to six months with hard labour. Wow. Mm-hmm. For a window. Uh, there was a public wave of sympathy for Heaton, supported by the Mirror of the Australian uh, of an Australian newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume the Mirror will come up a lot in history stories. Uh, Heaton, who was from Newcastle, was only 16 when he was enlisted. He was an orphan and provided financial support for his younger sister out of his military pay. Mm. Heaton served time at the Goldburn Jail and although he was originally sentenced to six months, he served 10 weeks in jail, being released on the 28th of March 1916 by special licence. He wrote to the Mirror afterwards. He said, Dear Mr Editor, I'm not much of a scholar so you must, must not mind if this letter is short. 
I have to thank the mirror for taking out my case and and securing my release. And I hope now that I shall be allowed to rejoin the light horse and get to the front. This is where I want to be with the boys in the trenches. So in the end, he he actually wanted to go back to to camp. I just like got super emotional reading that because I'm like, he wanted to go back. He wanted to be at the front. Yeah. Like... It's just sad. It's just the, the right. It just wasn't worth it in the end. No. Heaton was dischar- discharged dishonorably from the AIF upon his release from jail. But on the 30th of June 1916, he re-enlisted under another name, William Westcott. They always did that, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, they could. There, you know, there's no background for these guys. Uh, He served with the 35th Battalion and did not reveal his true identity until the 5th of February 1918. So did he go, ha, lol, lol, gotcha. Soz. I would love to know, like, I couldn't find more about him and maybe there is, like, his whole story is so interesting, like, Mm. and I'm sure there's a million stories like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, the aftermath of the riot. As World War I continued, a portion of the 297 dishonorably discharged soldiers' sentences and jail time were remitted by the deputy of the Governor-General later the same year. Many were able to re-enlist. Most rioters escaped further discipline because the authorities urgently needed more uh, recruits to mm-hmm. meet their recruiting targets. Yeah. And some would say they were given the worst sentence of all, they were sent to war. Mm. Mm-hmm. At the inquiry into Ernest Keefe's death, the acting city coroner said, It is to be hoped that the mutinous soldiers will, by their bravery on the battlefield, wipe out the stigma attached to their name, owing to their participation in these calamitous proceedings. So even after all that, they were still like, You can make up for it by going to war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the Liverpool soldiers' riots remained the only mass soldier mutiny within the AIF and on Australian soil during World War I. The 1916 riots did have one unexpected result. The resulting damage and destruction caused by the mass drunkenness not only alarmed the New South Wales government, but provided ammunition for the temperance movement Mm -hmm. to press its long-held case for restriction on the availability of alcohol. I bet they jumped on that. They were like, ha! Told ya. Right? Yeah. Um, Obviously, you've you've spoken about the temperance movement uh, before, but it was uh, temperance societies were initially founded in uh, 1820 in uh, in the United States and England, and during the nine, uh, the eighteen eighties, they emerged in Australia. So mm. that's a decent amount of time. It's what 90, 80, 90 years for them to be wanting this, and then they got their reason. Yeah. So yeah, yeah four months after the riot, a referendum approving the six pm closing of hotels and pubs uh, was made. Right. Yep. The Bulletin, a weekly infill influential magazine in Australia denounced the link with the riots as hysterical saying pub hours were no more to blame than the railway timeline. Well, it's true. I mean, if the pub was closed, they were just going to smash the window and jump in anyway. Exactly. And like people are going to get drunk no matter what. They stole all the booze. Yeah. It doesn't matter what time you close it. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. So, 
Just uh, to do a little bit of setup, the Temporary Licensing Act of 1915 had the legal sale of alcohol hours between 9am and 9.30pm, mm-hmm. which was amended after the riots in 1916 with the hours changing to 9am until 6pm, causing any single persons found breaking this law was liable up to £2. Any unlicensed premises could be liable between five and twenty-five pounds, and for every subsequent offence, they were liable between twenty-five to fifty-pound penalties. So, to my understanding, uh, this meant that every every offender, every person in their premises, added up these uh, penalties, right? Which would add up so quickly. So it was serious. It was very serious. Um, this act, the temporary licensing. Licensing Act um, was the restriction of sales of alcohol during wartime. It says in the amend- in the, in the Act it's during wartime, mm. which I didn't know. I thought it was just like prohibition Forever. alcohol. Like this has just come in. It was because of war, which seems a little bit backwards. People needed their vices. Uh, this Act remained in force in New South Wales until 1955. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, And I will be covering the results of this Prohibition Act being enforced and the criminal underworld of Sydney (gasps) in our next episode. Yes. So that's the Soldiers Riot. Oh, I'm so excited. That was a really good setup because, yeah, your next story is going to be super interesting well when i was like going through all the acts for the other story i was like this is so interesting and so important and then something popped up there was a cue about the soldiers ride of 1916 and i was like what's that mm-hmm. and i was like oh i'll just pop it in a little bit it's important it's so important and i wonder if this has ever been made into a tv show or a film or anything like that Well, not to give too much away for the next episode, but I got my interest peaked, especially in Australian criminal history because of Underbelly. Right. I mean, so many people did. Mm -hmm. And there is a particular season called um, something, I won't mention it right now, but it is set in the 1920s Mm -hmm. and it really piqued my interest and I'll I'll get into it more uh, next episode, but... It's so fascinating. And you always think of the 1920s as this glamorous time and we imagine the great Gatsby and all Mm. the Americanized, like glamorized parts of it. But Australia was rough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was actually kind of dingy. Yeah, dingy, slummy, gross. Yeah. Fascinating. So, Mm. yeah. Mm. In um, Sydney and Melbourne. I don't know about other states, but certainly Sydney and Melbourne, we had a pretty – uh, interesting underworld. Yes, and they ran those cities mm-hmm. as well. Like they really, truly, they controlled everything. Right. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening, and thank um, you for telling us that story. Yeah. Well, please, um, please, listeners, tell us what you think, and if you like hearing about, especially Australian history, I think it needs to be talked about more. There's mm-hmm. so much involved. Like this was a very simplified version. I just wanted to keep people entertained, of course, but like there is so much involved and results because of things like this riot yeah. that happened. Yeah. Um, so if you are interested in more historical stories, please let us know because I'd love to. Question. Yeah. Did this, so the whole concept of prohibition, so we know about like American prohibition being in the 20s. Do, do, do we know if anything like something like this 
may have influenced other countries to launch prohibitions? I reckon so, because especially the temperance movement right. coming from... Like, oh, Australia's doing it. Or yeah. Australia's doing this thing. Maybe we should consider doing it too. That's Yeah, I mean, that's really, really interesting. Maybe I can talk to one of our librarian friends and historians about that, because... I don't know how influential Australia was because we were so far away from everyone else. Obviously, England and America was super influential to the Western world um, and we followed suit. Mm. I am curious about who did we influence Mm. other than New Zealand um, and maybe like the Papua New Guinea and the Samoan islands and things like that, obviously. um, Yeah. I bet these temperance ladies had like – a paper or an, a newsletter and I bet they would send it around the world to, you know, their other societies. Well, if they were rich upper class that believed in, you know, keeping the upper class, um, I don't know, clean is the word, like the, yeah. the image clean. I bet they had, uh, you know, contacts. Yes. You know, like, you know, the, the New York contingent and the Sydney contingent and the London and the Paris contingent. I mean, London would be one of the biggest connecting ones mm. for Australia and that would have been huge. Yeah. If they had someone that was going over to England for yeah. whatever reason. Take 50 of our newsletters. Yeah, take take the print with you. Um, uh, yeah, this, this turn of the century as well is when the world was connected or began to become connected. Before, like, yes, it was connected, obviously, through the 1800s, but this is when, you know, print press came in more and radio was used more. Like, I, I, I without a doubt, believe that, yeah, we would have been a little bit more influential or even just a reason for other people to go, well, Australia is doing it. Mm. So everyone has to do it. Oh, do you know what? It's times like this I wish we had a budget because, <laughs> like, I just really want to do a video version of this with, like, a drunk history where we're <gasps> the temperance ladies and we're, like, acting this out. Oh, my God. It'd be so fun. With massive hats. Massive hats, <laughs> feathers, the big shoulders. Tiny well, waists. Well, if people want to see that, let us know. Yeah, I yeah. want to do that. Maybe we'll join it. Maybe we'll start a Patreon and we'll save up. We'll save our pennies. <laughs> save our pennies. Be good girls and put them away. That would be wonderful. Let us know. Mm, mm. Let us know in that Spotify Q and A feature. I love history. <laughs> I love history. I think that was like the biggest thing about coming on this podcast was like, I'm just a big history nerd. Me too. I- it's flipping love it. It's just cool. Yeah. Hey, like yeah. I, I, things like drunk history are awesome because it's like and puppet history. And puppet history. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm so glad you love that. Um, it's just, I think I'm so fascinated about like things like this. Like, what happened to cause that? Mm. Why did humans act like that? Yes, we're seeing history repeat itself often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really adore. Um, historians and I wanted to be one for a long time I still probably do is because you study society so you can see what's going to come next the cool thing about being a podcaster is you get to be not only an armchair detective but an armchair historian that's right (laughs) I feel so I feel so seen I feel validated (laughs) it's so cool thank you so much um that was wonderful I love that Shall we wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. Join us on uh, Instagram, everyone, because we're trying to build up our followers so that we can be cool like other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, we want to be cool like you. Yeah. 
no, drinking the Kool-Aid. Drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Everyone getting involved. I'm such a fangirl of those guys. Well, that's it. Like, we just want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And I want to support people who are following their dreams. So if you want to follow us to support our dreams, please do. Till next time. Till next time. Be creepy. But don't be a creep. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.